When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. Hey friends, so I am back and I'm here to tell you that I am a liar. Last week I said that I would be back in two weeks with an episode, but obviously it's just one week later and the reason is I have a bunch of fun ideas and a bunch of fun guests and I don't want to wait two weeks for you to hear this next interview and I don't want to only have two episodes a month. I'd really like to have an episode every week if possible. So I'm going to try out weekly episodes again. We'll see how long this lasts. We'll see if I need to readjust it. But for right now, you can expect a new podcast in your feed every single week. One of the reasons I'm doing this is I put on Instagram a box for people to suggest topics and to suggest different ideas. And there were so many fun ones that came through that I just knew that I wanted to have more content coming your way. So I hope you enjoy. One of those future episodes is going to be an Ask Me Anything episode, which I'm planning on for the beginning of September. So in order for that to work, I need you to send in your questions. You can do that on Instagram. You can send me a DM. You can do that on Twitter. You can also email them to Madeline, which is spelled M-A-T-I-L-Y-N-K-A-Y at gmail.com. I'll need those questions by like August... 30th for this to work. So please, please, please send in anything you want to ask about the show that you want to ask about me. If you have fun ideas or feedback, you can also feel free to send those in. And then once again, if you're liking the show, please, please, please rate and review on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. That's going to just be so key in me building an audience, which is an important part of me being able to continue having this podcast and continue sharing these things with you. So this week's episode is one that I am really excited for. My guest is Natalie Pinckney, who is a member of the South Salt Lake City Council. She's in her third year of service. She is in her 20s. She works at the University of Utah. She grew to have a deep love of politics and involvement and social justice as she was a college student, which is what led her to run for the city council. She ran a lot younger than she expected to run, but there's been a lot of cool things she's been able to do with her age and perspective. So in this conversation, we'll talk about Natalie, her experience, and we'll also talk about ways you can be more involved in the policymaking process, especially on the local level, and what you can think about if you're wanting to run for office. I hope this will help you feel empowered to make a difference and help you have the resources to think about what the opportunity to participate in public service might look like for you. Hello, 
Natalie. I am so excited to have you on my podcast today. To get started, will you just introduce yourself? Yeah, Natalie Pinkney. I'm currently the vice chair of the South Salt Lake City Council. Okay, that's so cool. And then tell me just a little bit more about yourself. Can you just tell me a little bit about where you're from and what brought you to Utah? Yes, I am a transplant. I actually moved out here in 2015, which is really crazy to think about almost like seven years, almost a decade. So I'm originally from Las Vegas, Nevada. I was raised there and then went to college out at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And while I was majoring in psychology, I like to say I was really majoring in student involvement. I did everything (laughs) from being an RA to being an orientation leader. I was a student body vice president. So I was just like really involved on campus and really absolutely loved college so much that I wanted to make it a full-time job. So I applied for the student affairs program at the University of Utah, and they had a really good deal where you can do a graduate assistantship and they would cover your tuition. And Utah was close enough to home, but not home exactly. So I was like, you know, I moved without knowing anyone at 17 to Milwaukee. I could probably do the same thing at 21. And when I came to Salt Lake, I just kind of instantly fell in love with the mountains. I mean, how could you not? And it really in my grad programs started to get really involved in social justice, which was one of the emphasis of my graduate program. So that kind of what brought me to Utah and then also really introduced me to politics a little bit more. I guess I've always been involved in politics, but more at a much like conscious level when I was in grad school talking about social justice. That's so cool. And so then when you came to Utah, after you'd been here for a bit, you decided to run for the South Salt Lake City Council. Tell me about how you made that decision. That's a big, that's a big change from like, I like social justice and I'm involved in my campus leadership. Being an elected official is a big step. I know it was a really big step. Like I, you know, in college, I ran a little campaign to be, you know, student body vice president, but nothing at the same magnitude as running for a city council. In 2017, I actually joined my first campaign. I went to a deep canvassing meeting and a lot of people don't know it deep canvassing is. It's like, you know, people knock on your door and they talk to you about the election and maybe they talk to you for about 30 minutes. This candidate wanted to do a deep canvassing and had like two hour volunteer training. And we actually went out and were encouraged to have deep connections at the door to try to find common ground that we could talk about with voters. And I was just like, so in awe with a value-based organization. That's just been who I've am for the longest. I just love value-based leadership and servant leadership. So I got really heavily involved in that campaign, was a campaign manager and didn't know what I was doing, but we almost won that race, but unfortunately lost by like 55 votes. And then I joined another Democratic race and actually helped Andrew Stoddard, who's now on the Utah House of Representatives, help him get elected and just found myself in this new world of politics where I was giving campaign advice and helping people fundraise and just became all like this political strategist that I never thought I was going to be. So I figured, okay, well, I'm apparently really good at this, you know, with help of learning and mentorship, maybe I should help women run for office. So that's what I was doing in 2019. I was actually recruiting other women to run for office. And if you do research, it takes you a couple of times to get a woman to run for office. So I was on that end where I was trying to encourage other women to run. And I actually got two to run. And then someone was like, you should run for office. And I won't lie. I wanted to run for office, but I thought it was like, 
a thing I would do in my 30s. I was like, okay, when I'm 35, like maybe I'll become a city council person. And the first person who talked to me, I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then someone else was telling me the seat that you're in for city council, the person isn't running again, and the at-large isn't running again. And you would have the support of the majority of the city council if you put your name in the hat. And I was just so taken aback because on my side, I know what it means to be like recruited and sought out, but I didn't know people were doing that with me. And this was the same night I was actually getting an award from the Democratic Party it was like the same night there, like you should run for office. And I remember someone handing me $20 and going, I'm your first donor. And I was just like, okay, this is, it kind of like started before I could even think about it. And I remember calling my dad and saying, hey, I'm thinking about running for city council. And he was just like, yeah, that makes sense. Everyone around me was just like, yeah, this is something we could see that you would do. And after I did a lot of like self-reflection and was thinking about why I was even in politics to begin with, why I was so connected to social justice, and then learning about how much you can do and how much power you can have at a city council level, I became really more interested. My knowledge was about state leadership or Congress or national leadership like everyone else. But at the city level, you could actually have really big impacts on the day-to-day of people's lives. So I figured, okay, let me just try and put my name in the race and run a, a really good campaign and you know, I was out knocking doors every night and won by 60%. So I was just really honored by it. And but it felt like one of those things where I knew I wanted to do it, but I needed someone else to be like, the moment is now. I love that so much. I also love that you knew that you had that desire. I think sometimes women are not as good at owning their desires, especially things that are sometimes perceived as power hungry or attention seeking. But I love that you're like, no, like I want to do this. And these are the issues I'm concerned about. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, even when the women I was talking to, I think I started recruiting her back in 2017 until she decided to run for office in 2019. And the first time I went up to her and said, Hey, you should run for office. She laughed in my face, which like was totally okay. But it was just one of those things where I think a lot of women do know that they want to be elected and they want to be a politician, but they're just like, no, I'm not the right fit. And it's kind of like how when women apply for jobs, which is, you know, my daytime job is career advice. And, you know, women have to wait till they're hundred percent qualified to apply for a job. And I think it's the same thing in politics. And it's, if you have that desire to make change in your neighborhood, that's really enough for you to pull the trigger, so to speak, and run for office. Did you have any hesitations or concerns with running in your 20s and what your age would mean? Was that something you thought about? Was that something you felt? Totally. And I think it's something I continuously, you know, think about. I'm in my third year of city council and I've been elected vice chair and I've done all these great things, but I am really young. Like I am in my 20s and One thing I've always been hesitant on is the career politician, the person who gets into office and then they're there for the next 20 or 30 years. And even being in this role for three years, I can see how you become like out of touch, right? Or like just doing the norm and going just like, oh, this is what we do year after year. And I don't want to forget why I stepped into office and understanding that I'm representing people. So it was definitely a concern being in my 20s because that this is a time to, I don't know, have fun or do other things besides being a servant leader. But I 
definitely think it's actually helped shape my growth more and my maturity more. And it's also pushed me in a lot of ways to really understand like what I want to accomplish, not just in my professional realm, but in my personal realm as well. What perspective though, do you think that being a city council member who is in their twenties brings, especially in such a young state that's growing so much. And I think South Salt Lake is a younger area. I think this city has a lot of young adults that are trying to figure out what they want their next steps to be. Yeah, great question. And South Salt Lake is young. I think our medium age is like 18 to 34 young professionals who are just starting off. And yeah, the state is young too. I think it's shown me how much we can't overlook our young population, whether they're 18, whether they're 16, whether they're 12. I think more and more younger people are being politically engaged. It might just be the climate and the environment where people feel like they have no choice but to be politically involved. But I think that's a positive thing. I think people look at politics as such this like icky thing that they don't want to be a part of or they don't want to even touch. But everything in your life is political. And I think that has been the one lesson that I've been able to really see whether or not you want to a speed bump on your street to whether or not you have health care. All of those are political decisions. And sometimes you also see how much red tape and how much government bureaucracy is also involved. And I think that helps me understand like exactly how issues are formed, right? And I think being an informed citizen or informed resident means being involved on what's going on in your city so that you're not really taken advantage of by life or taken advantage of about your neighborhood. And so I, I think it's given me a good perspective of wanting to get even other young people involved to say there's no such thing as being too like young to be involved in politics. Can you tell me about maybe decisions or policies, actions that you've helped with that you feel like your unique perspective from your age, from being a transplant, from being a woman, but just anything that you feel like because of who I am, because of my intersecting identities, this is something I did that I feel like is really impactful. So I was sworn in January 2020, and we all know what happened in March of 2020. So when COVID happened, That was really a big transformable thing. So before I was running for office, I had all these really big ideas that I didn't really put on my platform because I just felt I would never be able to accomplish it. There's no way I could do it. And then COVID hit. And then also Black Lives Matter became a national conversation. And I found myself, I had this like ache, like I just couldn't, I was like, I know there's something I can do. Like in my head, I was like, you can't tell me that I'm elected to city council. And there's absolutely, I just have to sit here and stand by while what feels like the whole world is on fire. So I went back into kind of my grand ideas of what I thought I could never do. And one of those was a financial empowerment center. South Salt Lake is not a big city. We only have 25,000 residents. We don't have a large budget. Like I think this year was our largest budget at 86 million, but still not a lot when you compare that to a bigger metropolitan area. So financial empowerment centers are being done in like New York or Michigan, like really big budgets. And they're really being done at a county level. And the whole aspect of that is to provide free financial counseling and coaching to residents in your city. And we were seeing that so many of our residents, like everyone in America and around the world, were struggling financially. They couldn't pay their light bill. That means that they couldn't pay other bills, that they were making decisions, financial decisions on where they were spending their money. 
So I actually presented the idea of the Financial Empowerment Center. No idea how I was going to fund it whatsoever. But I presented it to the city council because I felt like that was our role. I was like, I know with enough minds on this that we could make it accomplished. And another, the other at-large city council person on the council actually contacted me and he worked for a bank. And while his bank couldn't be involved, he was talking about Mountain America Credit Union and getting them connected to the Financial Empowerment Center because they were already doing free financial coaching, that this could be a larger partnership. So what I thought was probably going to take years in a matter of months became our newest financial empowerment center in the city, where now our residents can get free financial coaching. And it's not limited. They can go as long as they want. So if you want to increase your credit score and buy a house or get a new car or help manage your budget, we actually have that part partnership that is now going to go into our new co-op center within our promise center here in the city so that residents can take advantage of that. And to me, that was so transformable that I was like, okay, wow, I was able to do this big thing that you find in this these bigger cities. There's no way I'm going to be able to do anything else. And then Black Lives Matter became really popular in the summer. And there was this conversation about police reform. And I'll be honest with you, when I ran for office, my race was a political strategy conversation that we had was how do I make sure that people, I guess, don't know how much of an activist that I am. You can Google me and you can find Getty images of me at Black Lives Matter protests protesting against Ben Shapiro when he came to the University of Utah. Like I've been very outwardly going to protests, giving speeches, talking about racism and violence. And now I was running for office and being told when I was running, like that could be a mark. And then getting elected and the whole globe finally being on the same side that I was in in 2017, I said, let me take this moment and let me take this moment of my personal experience to really talk about police reform. When I started to talk about that and it was a national conversation, other people on the city council and the mayor were also open to it. And it really became my baby was to create a civilian review board and an oversight committee so that we could actually have real reform within the police department. And at the time, you know, everyone was saying our police department doesn't have these racial problems that we're seeing in other cities. And I pushed back on that. And I said, do we have any data to back that up? Could we say and with data that we have no racial biases in our police department. And we don't have that data. And a lot of small municipal jurisdictions are not tracking it because they don't have the budget or the capacity to do that. The Civilian Review Board made this board of civilians that can have oversight, but it also allowed us to invest in data analytics for the police department so that we could see whether or not we have a racial problem. And that was really nerve wracking because I had to bring in my identity as a black woman into the space. And even as the civilian review board has been doing its thing now, I've gone to one meeting and spoke on the record about my own personal experience with police departments in this county and the very police department that I'm on the city council for. And that has been really emotional. It's been great that I've been able to use my position of power to have formidable change. But it's also scary, too, because these are really controversial conversations that if you don't approach it correctly, you can be branded like really quickly, especially in a state like Utah. Like while South Salt Lake is very liberal and progressive, the state is not in that way. And, you know, I was really afraid of 
how I was jeopardizing my own political future by taking the stance and advocating for police reform. And it just like you were saying, like your personal identity, that's so vulnerable. That's different than someone saying like, we would like a different tax structure than you would like. That's different than someone saying like, we should allocate the budget differently than they want. That's a really courageous Mm -hmm. and vulnerable and emotionally difficult position to put yourself in. Yeah, thank you. And I definitely use my personal experience as well. I was raised by my father was a correctional officer. um, And while that's not a police officer, it's still within that peace officer atmosphere and association. So I, you know, really tried to use those atmospheres of understanding that we're not painting a picture for all police. And I think that is the biggest thing where I wanted to make sure the dialogue was open. And even this past budget season, now that the civilian review board is here and the police, this past budget season has gotten the investment that they want, I've really challenged them to say, what are your objectives so we can actually see real changes in our community? And that is my approach to all departments. And as a city council person, we're using the dollars that we have are tax dollars, our citizen dollars, our civilian dollars. So I feel like it's my duty as a representative to say, if we're going to be increasing any department's budget, that we're doing it in a way that we can see real outcomes for our citizens. And talking about police reform and crime is really difficult because there are lots of sensitive issues and people who come with a lot of biases. And that was one thing I had to talk about and let everyone know that each of us have our own personal experience and biases. And that doesn't discount my experience and it doesn't discount your experience. And that doesn't mean no change is needed. These examples you've given are really cool. How does it feel to see these things happen? These seem like they're very tangible things that have very measurable outcomes for your residents. How does it feel to see them coming together? It feels really great that we've been able to create this infrastructure that will be in the city for a while. I definitely know that it doesn't mean the work is done. I think really being connected to both the Financial Empowerment Center and our oversight to make sure that it's continuously getting those resources. One thing I really learned a lot from folks that were doing affordable housing, they were talking about how ordinances don't really equal change. And they don't. Ordinances don't equal change. You need structure. You need staff is behind that every time we're voting on something. It's an individual staff member who that's their full-time job to execute that plan. And that takes ongoing support. So I'm very excited about the changes because, you know, like I said, I didn't even think this would be able to happen in my first term. But I also know that more work is still needed to support these efforts to make sure that they're continuous and to make sure that citizens know and residents know that they're available as well. There are obviously lots of ways to affect change, like voting, service, protesting, demonstrations, though you're an elected official. So I'd really love to talk with you just a little bit about policy for young adults who are concerned about things in their community. Maybe they see something going wrong and they're not sure what the solution is. Maybe they've heard about policies they think would be helpful. Maybe they are thinking that they might run for office. What are your suggestions for people who would like to be engaged in the policy making process and improving their communities through policy? Great question. I would say start with your neighbors. I think people now live in neighborhoods, whether your neighborhood is a detached house, a duplex, or even an apartment, start to know who your neighbors are and if you're on the same page. 
there are power in numbers and you showing up to a city council or to an elected official with ideas or policy or changes with power behind you and numbers behind you is really impactful. I think a lot of times people do get a little frustrated with how slow government can move and they'll go to a city council meeting and they'll voice a concern and they'll be like, okay, all they did was hear me and nothing happened. And you do have to be consistent. And that that is one thing that I've learned. And it's not for the fact that the city council doesn't care It's that one, there's a lot of issues going on. And also sometimes a lot of issues are what's focused on. We can all see that from a national stance that we wonder why some things are focused on. And that is the name of the game. And I think, especially here in our city, there are some things that people are upset about with different developments. And I've told them to knock doors, get signatures, come to city council. Residents can actually put ballot initiatives not just in their city, but on the state level and have that power to do that. And then also, if you're really passionate or pissed off about something, run for office yourself. You'll be surprised. A lot of people don't run for office. There are a lot of politicians who win their re-elections with no real competition. So I really would advocate for people to, if they want to get involved, to either run for office or just simply talk to your neighborhood because you'd be surprised how much power you have when when a community comes together. And then I love that you mentioned running for office. Can you tell me some recommendations for young adults to run? I think when you're someone who's maybe like a recent grad or someone that's in your mid-20s or working your first job, or maybe you have worked professionally a few years, I think it can be harder to know like how do I package my qualifications? How do I communicate that like I'm responsible? People look down, I think, on sometimes young people that want to run for office. Some people don't, but some people are concerned. So what are your recommendations for if you're thinking that to to use your age to your advantage and kind of package yourself and show off what you can do? Totally. I think if folks are, or if people, especially young people want to get involved in politics, I would first recommend volunteering for a campaign and canvassing. Knocking doors has just been such a transformable part of my political career. One, it really tells you what people are concerned about. And a lot of times no one comes to a resident's door and asks them what they're concerned about. They don't really have that face-to-face. So really knowing what issues are in your community, you can do that by volunteering on a campaign. And then don't discount yourself. I think that was the biggest thing I was afraid for too. I was like, yeah, I have a master's degree, but I'm still a young professional. I'm still trying to figure out my career, but you'd be surprised how much talent and skills that you have. I always say, don't get in your own way. If you're passionate and you are showing that dedication and consistency, that's really the difference. I remember I knocked this one door and they said they were going to vote for my opponent. And I said, okay, that's totally okay. But I kept knocking doors and I was knocking so many doors that I came to their house a second time, a third time. And by the third time I was at their house, my opponent hadn't even knocked the door. And really what I showed there was my dedication, right? Like that I showed with my actions, what type of elected official I was going to be. I was going to be one that you knew you could depend on, that was going to be reachable and really showing that through my actions. I love that so much. Is there anything else you want to share about being an elected official or share about being engaged in the policymaking process that we didn't talk about that you think is important? I would say that if 
you're not involved in politics to get involved and that politics is really right in your backyard. I think the best way is really at the city level. I am such a huge component of local local elections. They're nonpartisan, which is one, a great plus. You don't have to pick a side. Um, and you can really focus on the issues, right? If you want a better community, if you want more walkable communities, you want cleaner air, if you want safer neighborhoods, that's really at the city council level or even running for school boarding and getting involved. Just find whatever you're passionate about and go for it. I love that. Thank you so much for your time. It's been really fun to visit with you. Oh, thank you so much, Maddie. I really love that we could finally connect and talk. Thank you so much to Natalie. Thank you so much to you for listening. I am so glad you're here and I am so grateful for Natalie's time. You can plan on listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan next week. In the meantime, make sure to follow me on Instagram. The podcast is Not A Backup Plan. And then on Twitter, you can find me at Madeline K. As always, please rate and review. Please send me your feedback. Please submit questions for the Ask Me Anything. You can also support this work on Patreon. All of these details will be in the show notes. And until next time, remember, this is your life. It's not a plan B. Bye.